I want to, I'm going to kind of uh, piggyback on last week and, and then go somewhere else. I want to go to a higher place. You know, we see in the Bible, you know, throughout the Bible, this ascended, this concept of ascending to these mountaintops, to think of those things above, to, to go higher, right? We always see this, uh, this narrative throughout the Bible. And in those places, we generally see an encounter with God. We see something miraculous. And so I do want to touch on that, but I want to finish last week. Uh, how many remember last week? And, and we talked about in Romans chapter 8 that, um, that we have mindsets. And if your mind is set on the world or on these lower things, if your mind is set on carnal or worldly things, then death is the byproduct of that. And if your mind is set on things above or on the spirit of the living God on Christ, if your mindset is there then you're going to experience blessings. And both mindsets give us our base of knowledge, right? We saw how the worldly things, the things of the lower, our carnal, our fleshly, those, that information, that knowledge, and everything we receive from that comes through our experiences and our five senses. And as we build a life depending on the five senses telling us through our experiences what's right and what's wrong, we establish a mindset that's death. And the word says, listen, if you'll put your mind on the spirit and receive truth from revelation, you'll experience life and life in abundance. Yeah, who are the four in the furnace? Daniel, Meshach, Abednego, uh, uh, Shadrach, that's it. We used to do a song. We used to do a song back then. I love that song. Listen, listen to me. When they were in the furnace, do you think their mindset was giving them truth and information based on what they knew in the world? There is no sense in what. Those five senses can't possibly make sense out of what they went through. The only way that made sense was through a higher truth, through pure revelation, through the spirit. I, I oftentimes I, you know, I when I'm teaching and I'm doing different substance abuse classes, I'll comment and I'll say um, when someone says, "Hey, you know, I went through this or I went through that or I got locked up or I detoxed or blah," and you know, we know for a lot of us we know the story, and I always say, um, you know, that's the high cost of low living, right? That's <laughs> It's just, it's what we, if we're going to base everything on that low, carnal, fleshly, worldly life, there is a high cost to that. When we're trying to live life through the experiences of the five senses, there is a high cost to that. So Paul talks about in Romans, and we went through this, and I'm not going to rehash it, but he says, listen, there is a higher truth, an ascended place. There is a place where we see and receive revelation that transcends, transforms, renews, redeems, does everything you could ever want that those five senses will never make sense of. Paul said in Corinthians, in fact, not only are the two at war with each other, he said in Romans, but one thinks the other is just as foolish as the other thinks the other is, right? Says it's foolishness to the world, but it's life to those that are being saved. And so we see this, kind, this conflict 
played out time and time again. We see the mind playing a big part and where our mind's at and the mindset. So I want to ascend today. I want to go in the spirit. I want to take our spirit eyes and I just pray just like Paul in, in Ephesians that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open our eyes right now tonight, that we would see things, that we would hear things. Because I want to go to an ascended place today. And, and so I, I, we did finish with, I want to make one more comment with the woman at the well. And if you haven't guessed, we're all that woman at the well. We're all that thirsty soul sitting there trying to be quenched, trying to drink into our soul what's been missing. And, and, and Jesus, he dives in and he says, man, you've been married five times, five senses. You tried every experience in the world and here you are thirsting. It didn't fill what only I can fill. See, our soul cries out for one thing and one thing. And I don't care how much and how good you play the game of the world. You know, I hear comments and things like, he who, uh, you know, finishes with the most wins and all that. Let me tell you, not too long ago, anyone ever heard of Warren Buffett? Yeah, one of the richest men in the world, billionaire. He was being interviewed about a month or two ago, can't remember. And he made a comment that's real telling. He said, I can buy anything I want on this whole planet. And I can't get what I really want. I'm thirsted for something I can't get. I played the game with the five senses. I married all of them and did the best that anyone could do. And I'm still thirsting. I can't get one more day out of this game right here. You guys hear me? Yeah. We are at the well thirsting for only that what the spirit can fill. Amen. And that's why the marriage is so important. Who's the bride? We are. And salvation walked up to her and said, I'm your huckleberry, let's you and I get married. And what God puts together, no one, no one. When that soul and spirit are joined, no one. And you thirst no more for the experiences that once you thought would fill that void. Are we all right right there? Where are we at here? Uh, Matthew 16, 26. I'm going to check you back there, Donnie. <laughs> For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Warren Buffett, he's, he's really confronted with this question. And he's come to the conclusion if he could give it all away, he would. And so we see that the whole world is gain. We try through the senses and, and, and having the mindset of the flesh, we try and gain the world, but at the cost of missing the marriage with our Savior so that we could have our soul saved. Do you see that? Go to the next scripture. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, that word transformed, and we're going to see that in another scripture that we're going to go through um, in just a minute. I just want you to know it's a Greek word. It's metamorpho. 
we see it throughout the Bible in, in different words. Um, we see it in, in, in uh, what is it, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We see this metamorph. We see this, this word that's really, really common in the translation in the Greek throughout Scripture. So I just want you to get that in your mind's eye right now. Go to the next Scripture. Matthew 17, 1 through 5. Now after six days. This is an interesting thing. I want to just point out, right before this, six days earlier, Jesus establishes his church. He said, and Peter, upon this, right here, I'm building my church. That day plus six more brings us to here. I don't know, and sometimes numbers are really important to see in the Spirit. We know that biblically, the seventh day was where we were always intended to be. We were created to be fully engaged with God in His rest. Never anything but that. That's what God's purpose and intent always was. We see seven as a number of what's it mean for most of you guys, Bible scholars. Perfection, completion, all of it. So we see seven. So it's not a mystery that the day he establishes church, six days later they come here. And it says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He took Peter, James, and John. We're going to talk about these three in a minute. But he took them and then he led them up on a high mountain. So he gets three and he leads them. We saw that when Jesus had to battle the enemy in the wilderness, he was led by who? By the Spirit. So he gets these three, Peter, James, and John, and he leads them up a mountain. Go ahead. And he was transfigured, same word, metamorpho. So he was transformed before them. So on an ascended place... He's transformed. He wasn't transformed at the lower regions. At the ascended place, and we can look at Moses, we can look throughout the Bible, we can see some things that happen on the ascended place. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. I'm going to read this fast and then touch on this. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, if it's good for us to be here, if you wish, let us make it here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, while he was still running his mouth, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out from the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, son. This is my son, I'm well pleased. Hear him, hear him. He said, listen, what does Elijah and Moses represent? Anyone? It represents, so we get the law from Moses and then Elijah represents the prophets. He said, there was a shadow that was foretelling of what now has become substance. You need to put that aside and hear him. There is no more time that you need to listen to the shadow. The substance is now here. And at the ascended place, we see the transformation. Hear him, Jesus Christ. Back up to the, to the fourth. <clears throat> or the, there you go. No, no, back, back. Two more, the other left, the other right. 
One more. <laughs> I opened my Bible. I got it all highlighted. Go to the next scripture. Now I'm going to touch on this. Jesus came with them to a place called the Gethsemane. Anyone know what that is? It's a garden, right? He said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray. 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Anyone have any idea who the two sons are? James and John, right? So at the ascended place, he took Peter, James, and John. And now he's in a garden. Listen, a whole lot of stuff started in the garden one time back in Genesis, if you all remember. If you go back to the Genesis, you'll see a lot of things that happened where the soul missed the mark. And so Jesus is in a garden right now, and he's got with him the three. Go ahead, read. And they were sorrowful. Go, I'm sorry, go back. And Jesus began to be sorrowful, sorrowful, and deeply distressed. 38. Then he said to them, my soul, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He said, stay here and watch with me. And this is really important because the only way we can see things ever is if we're watching, if we're looking, if we're seeking. But he said, my soul is sorrowful even to death. See, right here in this spot, we know that he says, it's time. It's time. This is where his soul was coming to a place that everything had to be dealt with. So I want to get back to Peter and, and uh, John and James. Um, I just want to, if you've ever, you know, looked at the Bible, they're instrumental. And when Jesus took them up on the ascended place and he was glorified and transformed, they hadn't written a letter. Did you know that? So they hadn't written anything. But we know in reading the Bible today that all three of them play a very big part in writing. And we see that James, if you go to the book of James, a lot of Bibles, like myself, my Bible, it'll give you a little taglines, like the theme of the writing. And what do you think James's theme is in the Bible? If you look in the Bible, most of the time, he's known as the book of faith. This is where we get faith without works is dead. We see James goes on and on. And then we go to Peter. Peter wrote uh, uh, one and two, right? And if you go in your Bible, my Bible says it's the, it's the books of hope. And, and, and we say, see where Peter, his theme and revelation from the Holy Spirit deals with hope. James was all about faith. Peter is all about hope. And what do you think John's books were? One, two, three in Revelation. Love. Love. So we see that upon these three, Jesus is going to bring to us a way to ascend that transformation can take place. We see that these books, 
before they even knew they were going to be assigned that, 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 that Holy Spirit assignment to outline exactly what faith is, what hope looks like, and what love's all about, Jesus already knew. You can't put these pieces together any better. This puzzle that got put together for us. And then the last book that, that John writes is what? Revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate love story. That is the story of Christ in you being revealed. So Paul, he's a significant writer, right? He says in chapter 13 of Corinthians, in fact, he's writing all about love. We do it at weddings all the time. We talk all this uh, about how great that is. And, and if we look at what he's saying, it looks uh, almost... Uh, unattainable. It almost looks, I mean, it holds nothing against it. It has no, you, you look at the description of Paul and then in 13, 13, he said, look at first faith, then hope, then love. But without the love, it's nothing. It's nothing. First faith, then hope. And I want you to look at this as an ascended place. I want you to think of faith being the bottom of the mountain, hope being the middle, and love being the top. And he carries us through this narrative of faith. And we see that, that in, in John, 1 John 4, 18, um, we see that we're perfected love. John talks about it. He says, listen, perfect love will cast out all fear. Nothing else can hold to Jesus Christ and the revealing of him in you. Nothing comes close to that love story. Perfected that in you casts out all fear. There is nothing left of the mindset of the world, and there is nothing to worry. So how do we engage that ascended place for transfiguration, transformation? Because the Bible says that we're not to be conformed, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we get our head in the game to a place where we experience all the things that the Bible tells us are the promises for us through our life in Christ? Because it is no longer I that live. It's him in me, right? In you. How do we do that? So I just want to give you in your spirit eyes a way to look because when you're depending on the senses of the world to quench the thirst of your day, and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, that it's not good to work or to do things. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is if you're basing your truth and your life on those five senses, you are fleshly, worldly, and low. You're going to pay the high cost of low living. But if you want to ascend to a place where God is always, it first starts by faith. Engage faith. So if you get your mind off worldly things and put your mind above, take on the mind of Christ, you'll see that the first step is always faith. So kill that. It's dead. It's no longer I that live, right? I kill it. Imagine me laying in a casket right now, dead, and someone saying, hey, you're a great guy. No reaction, no response, nothing. Why? Because I'm dead. Hey, you're terrible. I hate you. No reaction, no response, dead. You have died with him, and it's no longer you that live. Put that, the low living, in the grave where it belongs, and look to faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1. faith is the substance of things 
Man, you better hear what I'm saying. It is faith to hope that brings us into love and love alone that perfects who we are and Christ in you. And as we ascend through faith and we walk by faith and we live by faith and we please God by faith, we get a great hope of the thing they only had a shadow of that is now present. That is good, right? I need that. Is that all right, you guys? Are you seeing? Are you seeing this with me? Yeah. So we're going to get into the two cities and we're going to really, really develop the marriage and the female and male. And we're going to talk about that. But I need you to engage the ascended place daily. Do this often. Do this often till I coma, till I appear, till I transform. Do this often. Faith, hope, love. Lay that in the grave. Well, you know what? The report's really bad. Dead. That's not the report I listen to. I'm in a different mindset. Okay? Just like uh, Abednego, Meshach, Shadrach, I'm in their mindset. I don't know what you see. You might see a kiln at 2,500 degrees that's supposed to make me a pot. I don't see that. I'm in a different mindset getting my truth from the revelation of God. He built that church upon that alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Faith. Hope. Does anyone in here hope? Yeah. Oh, Lordy, Lordy. Let me tell you, I'm stuck. I get stuck in hope. My mind, when I can get out of the world for just a minute and marinate in faith and think of how I live and please God and his promises, and I look at those, I get such a hope that I can't contain it. I can't contain it. This imagination with hope goes off the charts. And when hope is full, love is just the, that's the next step. When your faith is strong, your hope is full, love abounds. And perfected love will take away all your fear. Your 401k, who's elected next president, whatever. All of that. <laughs> all that fear, whatever we're, we're dead to that. Eight o'clock, like clockwork. Praise God. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I just ask that. Just ask that you would continue to send that spirit of wisdom and revelation into our hearts and minds, to open our eyes and ears to see you, that we would be taught of you, that you would teach us of those things, that we would ascend and go to that higher place, taking on the mind of Christ, that the spirit of revelation would be our truth, that we would see through your eyes. And Lord God, that would be a blessing, not only to ourselves, but to those around us. Father God, keep your children here safe and Fill them with love and peace and joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.